0: find network gear for cheap online, it can be used, whatever, and just in your room, put it together. Make this talk to this, and this talk to this, and this talk to this. And if you do that, you're going to understand the basics of, of how it all works. And then once you learn that, there, there's no stopping. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. Link. Then- Insomnia, keeps us we growing
1: in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today's guest is Jeremy Anderson. What do you do?
0: Oh, so I, uh, I'm the CEO of Overwatch Technology and we are a managed services company that specializes in cybersecurity.
1: How would you describe that to someone who's in high school?
0: So I would, so a lot of fun, um, a lot of troubleshooting and puzzle solving. So what happens is, you know, people may get breached. They come to us and ask, how can we help them? Um, so we usually, you know, put some tools on, find viruses, malware, whatever is on there. Any breaching that happened ransomware, we try to find backups and restore them. So a lot of it's just what is the actual problem and then puzzle solving to find the answer to that problem.
1: Now, what would you say is your blueprint for success? Like, why have you been able to work your way up to a C-suite executive?
0: So um, a lot of it was just perseverance. When I first started in the industry, when I was in my 20s, I'd worked 90 hour weeks. Wow. Just trying to learn it all. I'm also a Marine. so. In my Marine Corps years, I was working 90-hour weeks, and they were training me as a network engineer. So I got, I got a great opportunity to travel. I got to go to Cuba and set up a satellite transmission service. So a lot of what I know today came from
1: my Marine Corps days. The Marines, they definitely shape you, and they really teach you work at, the, at a completely different level. Now, definitely. what's the salary range for someone who is, the, who is a C-suite executive at an MSP?
0: There's a lot of frameworks around that. It's a great question. The framework that we follow, uh, it's with true Peer or true methods. Whenever I put numbers into a database that they've asked us to put together, so we we, um, kind of know how our peers are doing. They start at 150,000. They they expect a C-suite to be around that. Now we're not all paid that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We have to get there first. I'm not that far away. Like I built myself up in the lab since 2008. Um, I many years I went you know less than thirty thousand dollars and yeah. you know my wife helped, helped support us in that in those years. Um, but I'm pretty close to the the national average for a C-suite now. Yeah.
1: And just to give more clarity, that when you're a business owner, is like you can choose to make more, but it's about hey, you know what? I could increase my salary by thirty to fifty k, or hey, maybe I can use that to hire an extra person, or maybe I can use a tool. So it's about managing current pay and future growth. And a lot of people at this level, we're always about future growth. We're always about future growth.
0: Right. I would rather in the early years pay myself less so I could hire other people to give myself more freedom to be able to do other things like boating and, and other stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Cause you, we need that release for, of time. A lot of people will work themselves to death and it's really not worth it. Um, I'd rather hire another person than pay myself more. But we're getting to a really good spot here. Where uh, I think where there's 12 people on our team. Another cool thing is we hire people on the Asperger spe- spectrum. Okay. Um, so that's been a fantastic thing too. And then you know, like I said, I'm starting to pay myself yeah. what feels better than it used to. Okay. Um, so so the hard work has come through, and I really appreciate my team. In fact, one of the things that you just said is hiring more people is, is sometimes a better thing. I actually have left for three weeks and never gotten a phone call from my team. That is the true dream of a,
1: of a, of a dream. business owner, not getting a call.
0: That is true. And so my team is very solid. They're, they're really good at what they do. And they've allowed me to have some freedoms that I didn't have a
1: few years ago. That's awesome. Now, let's take it back. What's the backstory? How was high school like for you? And would you want to be in high school?
0: So in high school, I think I wanted to be a pro baseball player. Okay, I actually got a baseball scholarship so I failed out in college because I didn't go to class. So I, that's, why, that's why the Marine Corps happened. I needed discipline and that's where I found it. But outside of a baseball player, I really did want to be in technology. Like I knew that I wanted to be a network engineer, but I didn't know what that meant yet. But as soon as I got in the Marine Corps, they taught me straight out of the gate uh, what to do in the technology fields. And
1: that's been great. Now, how did you navigate that? Because you had to be a little strategic to get those technical positions, right, in the Marine Corps?
0: Correct. Yeah. So my ASFAB score, which is the, the test to get into the Marine Corps or yeah. to, into the military was high enough. They wouldn't let me do anything but data okay. and, data engineering and that kind of thing. Um, I even wanted to become a grunt and I wasn't like the ones that go out and fight, um, but they wouldn't let me because of my ASFAB score. So I was required to either do that or intelligence.
1: What did you do to make the most out of the
0: opportunity? I think it was, again, the perseverance, like Knowing that I needed to know more, I worked harder, worked more hours at the beginning while I was young and able. <laughs> it was a great place for my time. Also, I just really liked it. So like when I was working, like I said, I worked 90 hour weeks. It didn't feel like it. I had a passion for what I was doing. Um, so it really wasn't a problem for me. Um, so that that's really, at the end of the day, I think hard work will really get you there. I, I read a lot of books. The military actually sent me to a lot of formal classes that I was able to get to. And they were formal technology classes. Like I didn't have to learn extra math and all of that stuff. I was able to go straight for the certifications that I needed for my job.
1: So what were some books that had a great impact on you? Mostly business books, because the technology is
0: ones and zeros. So that, that that was the easy part, for lack of a better word. Um, but a lot of the business books, like Entree Leadership with um, Dave Ramsey was instrumental in how I built the business. Like we, I never got a loan. I like all the money that we made went back into the business and pretty much cash only. So we were never in the red. So we didn't have to catch up to anything. Um, so that's the key to it all. I think the business books, learning how to run a business, learning how to do business, even if you're not the owner, even if you're not C-suite, I think you need to understand how business works in order to navigate in the job world.
1: Yeah. And what I tell people is You, even if you're an employee, you are your own business, right? You have some cash flow. You have some outflows. You have to manage things. You have to manage moving up. You have to manage your future and figure out which direction you want to go. So I tell people you need to really think of yourself as a business and how do you navigate the business landscape for yourself? Now, you mentioned you got some certifications. What certifications did you get?
0: Learning Tree International is a place you can get certifications in the technology world, um, and inside of that, there was a network en- a network degree or network certification. And then I also <laughs> I was a programmer to start with. That's the first thing I went to the, when I went in the Marine Corps. That's what they trained me on was Pascal. Yeah. And I, I am just not someone to sit behind a desk and only do that. So I converted over into the data or network engineering side. I just I couldn't sit and be a coder. Just yeah. not who I
1: am. Yeah, no, it's not for everyone. But it's it's good to know to understand how those things work because it plays into other aspects.
0: As a network engineer, you really need to understand scripting because it will it will solve a lot of your normal day to day problems and and create reports and things like that that an, an engineer needs to know. Yeah. Um, so knowing some scripting is always a good thing.
1: Good advice. Now, how long did you serve? I was in
0: uh, just under five years. I really enjoyed what I did. The problem is, is the Marine Corps taught me too well. So I was given a lot of job offers when I was getting close to getting out. Um, So uh, it was really about the money. Like I I was offered too much money to stay into uh, a military job.
1: Yeah. Do you mind sharing what that was around?
0: Sure. So at that time I was making about $14,000 a year in the military which sounds very low, but they also fed us and all, yeah, all that yeah. other so stuff. So you don't
1: have expenses. Right. Correct. You, you didn't buy a car, right? You didn't buy, I did a, not buy yeah, a cause car. Cause I know that's the com- That's the first common thing.
0: That is the first common thing that and encyclopedias, I guess is what okay. they, they come and find you to, to make you get loans for, for the silly stuff. Um, but yeah, so around 90,000 is what I was offered to get out. Yeah. And so, you know, I was making 14,000. It was not that hard
1: of a decision. Okay. Now what, job were you offered
0: uh network engineering position out in san francisco area okay. um so during the dot-com boom right at the beginning of that is when i got out of the military yeah so 1997
1: it was my 90k and like that's probably like 180k right now but it also didn't spend as well in san francisco either yeah I, yeah
0: I, I think i paid three thousand dollars for a one bedroom wow, back, then. back then yeah so but it was a, it was a fun fun time um I'm glad I don't live in San Francisco anymore just cuz it's so expensive there's yeah. so much hustle and bustle and then the dot com boom became a bust so there's a lot of things that happened out there that um I'm glad I'm not there now.
1: So how was it transitioning to a job outside the military? Were some of the challenges you faced? And were some things that weren't challenges for you? Sure. Um
0: the big thing was in in the military strategies, you know, if someone gives you an order, it gets done. And one of the the hard things to transition into was civilian life where that's not the case if you say something it may or may not get done so it it was a very interesting to not to see that dynamic change it was a challenge but it also wasn't awful like so um if i was asked to do something in the civilian world i continued to jump and get it done like that's just who yeah. i was if I asked it of someone else, then I wouldn't always get the outcome that I wanted. Um, so it was very interesting how to navigate that, that difference in, uh, um, attitude.
1: Yeah. So what'd you have to learn to get used to
0: that? Uh, humility, <laughs> um, understand that not everything needs to be done right now and to organize my life in a way that I don't have to wait on someone else to, to finish something before I can finish what I needed to finish. So that, it, that was the interesting part.
1: So what were some technical skills that you learned at this job? An extension of
0: what I was doing in the Marine Corps already. So when I got out, um, I was learning network management software. So my first job out was software support, basically, but I was still a network engineer. I was just watching how network management software could help the networking side. So a lot of the skills that I learned there is how to read the reports that came out of that, like, what does it mean? What is deduplication? Which is, you know, if one machine broke and there were things behind it, then we needed to know how that affected the ones behind it. Like if that yeah. one was down and the others were down, then you knew that, that that was the problem. So that was um a lot of what we learned from that network management software was what is the core problem when you see it.
1: Ah, uh, Okay.
0: So what came next? Another network management software company. Um, during that time... The dot coms were just booming. Money was going all over the place. So when we got calls to move companies, we didn't I, I didn't wait very long. Like every step of the way was a little bit more money, a little bit more like management. Like I was able to get into a higher management jobs and that kind of stuff because the dot-coms were really booming and I had a lot of money just to, to throw around. I don't feel bad that I changed jobs very often, but I did change jobs fairly often what during that time. What is fairly often? Probably two and a half years was the longest I was at place. And then a lot of them were one year and jump to another one type. So in that period of time, I think I went through six or seven jobs. And then in 2008, what changed my life was somebody I was working for said, you need to slow down so we can charge more. And that just, it it clicked in my head that I needed to start my own company so I wouldn't have to deal with that. Wars are more important than, than getting more
1: money. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. And I've seen sometimes in consulting, they're like, hey, you know, like take a little longer and all that. And it's one of those things like, I don't want to do that. And it's not the right way to make money. So how was it transitioning to your own thing? And what were some things that, again, that you were prepared for or more some things that you were not prepared for?
0: Hard work was, I, I was already prepared for that. So, and to start my own business, there was a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrificing, um, making less money, like probably half of the money to start out yeah. with, maybe even worse than that what i was prepared for and i think that this was the military training in me was getting jobs done and getting them done right and having customer satisfaction like those were things that weren't really hard for me customer satisfactions particular like i i feel like i have a lot of heart for the, the end users and the people that are, have hired us to do the job and that part translates into you know almost all of my customers have been our customers since 2008 like, wow, um, very rare do they leave us. And and I think that a lot of it is my team is that way. I'm that way. And it just, it's, it's important to us that morals and character is part of what we do.
1: Yeah. What were some of the challenges sure. in like the first few years? Money. <laughs> like I, I'm going to say number one was money.
0: So coming out of the gate, you just think, well, it should be easy. I, this is, should be easy to sell. This yeah it is not easy to sell it. Even today, 2023, I look at Businesses and go, I don't understand how you don't understand that cybersecurity is important, that, you know, what we do to protect you is important. Most of the companies that I deal with or what I, who we try to sell to don't understand it costs money to stay secure to yeah. keep breaches away. That's the hardest thing for me, even today, like understanding how they don't understand and how do we translate the importance? It's almost like they, it's just like if you needed lights for your business. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you need this too. The same as a light bulb, you need this. Yeah.
0: So, you know it, that's that's the hardest part of all of it is that understanding.
1: And you know that's something in cybersecurity that I've seen all the time because companies always get hacked. And I'll have like you know I'll explain certain concepts. Like people will email me their resume and it has their full address, and I'm like, you know that's a privacy and cybersecurity issue. I was like, you upload it, you don't know how secure their systems are, you don't know who's accessing it you don't know how it's getting passed around. And the fact is they don't need your address just yep. for the resume. Mate, when you get hired, it's one thing. And a lot of people are like, wow, I never thought of that. And I'm like, you know, they don't need to know whether you live in apartment C2 or D3. And oftentimes I, I see that it's a disconnect with executives because I know like they're like phishing training and all that. And it's usually like the same executive who fails every time who's ordering like a Whole Foods gift card or Amazon gift card
0: <laughs> for it's like crazy. this other person. Yep. And we service a lot of law firms and, they're almost the worst yeah. at it. And, and they're also the ones that are fighting these cyber crimes, you know, in, in court and everything. And then they have a password that is called password. Like yeah. I just, I just, it blows your mind because they're dealing with it every day, but not really thinking about their own protection. Yeah, It's it's kind of interesting to me.
1: How has the MSP industry changed over time? Because I know before it was more on-prem yes. and then now it's more the cloud. What are some other sure. industry changes that you've seen?
0: The on-prem to cloud is an important one. Um, a lot, of, a lot of times, people think that they're more secure if their hardware is in their in their location. Um, that's not true today. You're actually maybe less secure because if you look at how the cloud is built, it's built to withstand a lot of breaches. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you know, you really have to have a team that knows what they're doing for the on-site stuff. But people are still fighting that that urge to move, um, which is very, it's very interesting. I, I mean, the education on this needs to happen because the on-prem things really are the most breachable products. Um, yeah. People don't keep their servers as secure as the cloud does. And I guess that's the biggest change is the mentality of my stuff is is more protected if I'm holding it, like, if it's in my hands. And that—that that is not the truth in a lot of cases, especially in technology.
1: And people don't realize these data centers are like built to like withstand like tornadoes and right. all that stuff. So whereas your thing, you could get flooded, you could get water damage, you could get all these other things that you don't think can happen, but because your landlord didn't fix a pipe and now all of a sudden you lost years worth of data. So that's something to really consider. Yeah, it's very important. What were like some big wins in the first few years for for your business?
0: One of the biggest wins is a couple of law firms that have become great customers. They've been our customers again since 2008 the win of that though was to see how we were able to build out. We use Microsoft Teams a lot for, for, for especially our law customers and they make a new team for each case file. What was interesting to see is they enjoyed that better than a lot of the law software. Like it was created for law software. So that whole light bulb moment when you see the, the, it click with the customer and then they're like, wow. And you're saving us money. We're already using this product anyway. That was a great big win for us is to be able to use Microsoft in a, in a way that people were already paying for it, but they didn't know they had it Yeah, that way, which is cool.
1: That's cool. And it's it's always cool because I know lawyers are not easy to win over. Like lawyers are no. very, I, I, I've i worked with lawyers. They're very stuck in their ways. And like, this is how I do things. So to give them that, you that means you truly did a good job. Now, what are some mistakes that you've made along the way that looking back, it's like, hey, if you were to do it again... Today, you would have done it differently.
0: I would have spent less money on hardware we didn't need or software we didn't need. At the beginning, I thought because we had less people, I needed more function from either hardware or software. I really did mess up a few times of purchasing software that was not worth it to, to our business. It cost more money than I expected. I should have read the fine print better, I guess is, is where I'm getting at with that. And the other thing is just trying to save as much as I could when I was still working. I should have done that because I, that would have been a nice nest egg to sit on. Because really, life was difficult for for a year or so um, getting the business off the ground and being able to pay my bills too. So I think I would have saved more money. Yeah, I think well, same I thing. I,
1: I wish I I had started even six months later. Just having like a, that little cushion. It's like you're just always making up for that because it's like, hey, I I thought I was going to make money a lot quicker. Right. But look, it's 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 just how things end up working out.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I to really answer your question, I probably wouldn't have changed much because I'm, I'm pretty happy with where yeah. it, I've landed. But I yeah. could have made it easier.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so now let's go into, so you said you spent you know, things on software. So most people, they're thinking about, oh, I pay Netflix, I pay cable, I pay phone bill. What does enterprise software cost? Just so people have an idea.
0: I'm going to answer that by saying how much our all-in seat price Like if you were a customer, how much does our vendors cost? We're at about $40 to support a customer today per seat, per computer. We have to explain very well to our customers. Like that's the reason we cost what we cost. And then potential customers don't get it until they they actually see us working it or they've been breached. Now we're in here to help them. But I don't know that I can make it any cheaper than $40 and continue to support our customers and keep as many breaches yeah. as possible out. So I think that's around the right
1: amount. And then like enterprise software can cost 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, sometimes even 100K per year, right? Correct, yep.
0: So yeah, if you add up the 40 per and we have 1,200 endpoints, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's a lot of money in, in vendor costs. Yeah, for
1: sure. and that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Like you think like, oh, this business brings in 50K a month. It's like, hey, you may ha- once you have employees, once you have software and all that you're like oh you know what the expenses are 60k and then you need to get a certain number of customers where you're break even and all that or it usually ends up that you as the owner is like you're going to take the pay cut so that you can keep it afloat and you know you make it manage. now looking back at your career what would you say is your biggest accomplishment
0: hiring people on the spectrum that's not necessarily my accomplishment it's theirs but what we've seen is People on the spectrum doing tickets and and those kind of things is great. But what's even better is watching them grow. What there is a struggle with is that sometimes they aren't great communicators. They're not sure how to communicate. They're not sure what they're going to say to one another. Um, and with the way that we built the company, a lot of them start out as tickets only. So they're only they're behind the computer. They're behind like they're they're not really talking yeah. to anybody. And then they start getting used to communicating through that ticketing system, and then they'll make phone calls. And then we have people that actually go out on site that normally wouldn't have done that without the kind of training that they've gone through here. So a lot of it is their personal growth, and that makes me feel good, but I'm not the one who did it. They did it. Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, you play a part in enabling that and being open to that. What got you so passionate about it?
0: So in 2008-ish, I think it was then, I read in the newspaper that a, a guy graduated top of his class at MIT and ended up committing suicide cuz he he couldn't socialize enough to get a job and i just at that point i thought well we have all this technology we could protect people from it doesn't matter if you can socialize or not i can put you behind a a ticketing system and and you wouldn't have to socialize that type of thing so there's a lot of power in technology that we aren't utilizing fully as a group of people in, <laughs> in the
1: world. Yeah. I have a friend who has a son on the spectrum and she mentioned he loved online learning because it was like, it just like worked for him. It was very structured. He knew what to do. He knew the lessons. Less, He didn't have to organize as much and he could learn himself without distractions. And I think we as society, we really need to understand that some people just work differently and you know, we can't judge them on their weaknesses because that's not the environment they're in. Everybody has certain things that they just excel in and they have things that they're not good in. And it doesn't make them worse people or less capable. They just have different capabilities. And I think it's good to be able to make sure that everybody has a place and has something that they can contribute. Now, looking back, obviously you've worked a lot. You have a long career. What would you say is the hardest thing you went through?
0: I would say the lower parts of paying myself. So when I was only able to pay myself like 30K, and I'm, I'm married and my, my wife had to kind of support us through that. That was probably the hardest thing because as, as you know, a, a go-getter, yeah, I, I just felt like I needed to pay the bills, but I couldn't. And, and so I think that was probably the hardest part. It was probably the, the lowest part, but I'm also pretty optimistic. So I, I wasn't afraid of it. It just.
1: Yeah. It's just tough to go through. You just <laughs> had to get through it. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> Hey, it's going to get better, but it sucks right now. But and it, I'll, yeah. I'll somehow like manage. Now during your time early in your career, you, did your lack of a college degree hold you back during that time? Not at all. Um and
0: I and I I
1: think the big part
0: is I went in the military. But I I don't think that everyone that doesn't get a college degree needs to go to the military. Yeah, it just worked for me. Like you had said yeah. about the football player going to baseball like it, that may not work, but it all it all worked for me. And I believe that if I wouldn't have gone into the military, I still would have thought of something I would want to do. Yeah. I would have built my own thing still. Yeah. I, I just that's just who I am. I didn't like school to begin with. I wasn't good in high school. I mean, I got great grades just because I memorized things. Yeah. Like, I, I'm i pretty smart, so I just yeah. I just didn't like the study. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. So have you ever felt insecure about not
1: having a degree?
0: Not at all. I don't think everyone needs one. If you look at history, not everyone had a degree that made something of themselves. Yeah, Like, we got the Benjamin Franklins and that, that of the world that didn't like school either. Yeah. So...
1: And the fact is, especially now more than ever, there are so many more resources. There are so many ways to teach yourself. There are so many ways to get your hand dirty, do projects. And just like you show how you hire workers and they start in one aspect. And as they learn it and get more comfortable, they kind of grow. Now, this is going to be a little different. If you saw your 18-year-old self walking across the street today in 2023, what would you tell them?
0: Start the business earlier. Believe that it will happen. Um, because I think if I would have started when I was in my 20s, the energy level would have helped me get to a, a whole nother level of business. That's what I would tell myself. Start my business earlier.
1: I know exactly what you mean, because I remember like in high school, I and I had jobs like early college. I was like, oh, why are these people tired? And then you get older and you just start realizing how your body's not the same. You're not the same and all that. Exactly. But, you know, we, yep. we get wiser. So we kind of have that trade off. But uh, yeah, that young, you have that energy and then you, you can sort of work that 90-hour week, get a little sleep right. and you, you're good to go. And now it's like, it, it kind of, you feel it. So now, what are your future goals? So my future goal, I actually
0: think that I'd like to sell the company in five years. Uh, I have another business idea for charities. Okay. I create some charity software that I think will work really well. Um, so I just kind of want, I love what I do, but I love building businesses more. So I think that that's my next step is in the next five years is to find somebody that would take care of these current customers, but then I'll transition over to more software development. I won't do all that software development, but I'll hire people that can and build up a, a good software company.
1: I find that, look, by then it'll be like 20 years in the business. You've taken it from a small size to whatever, and you have you know so many endpoints and all that. It's it's sometimes it's like, hey, it's maintenance mode. And I find as like a go getter, it's like, all right, what's next? How do I impact like the world? How do I make a difference in a different way? And how do I do something now with all this knowledge, how I can solve a problem that I see and that I just care more about?
0: Right. I agreed And the other thing is, I want more time for boating and things like that. So I actually might. Become a captain and charter out boats. I, I live near the coast, I'm ten minutes from the water. Okay, so L- let's uh, actually yeah.
1: talk about that. How does someone become like a captain? Get the boating license. What's the money in that? Like, how does that go?
0: Less than ten thousand dollars is is your training. Um, you don't have to get certain captains' licenses until the boat gets certain sizes. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot more to it than just answering it. Um, but living near the coast, there's all kinds of training programs and things like that. But I would I would say. or less, I could get into a captain's chair. Uh, Now the boat is what's going to cost the most money, um, which is something that can be leased and that kind of stuff too. So I haven't gotten that far yet. In the next five years, if I sell the company, I'll probably get a decent sized boat and charter that out. Okay. Um, How much money is in it? Like, Oh, how much you can make? Yeah. The last time I went out on a charter red snapper fishing boat, it costs 1,500 a person. Okay. And there's usually five to 10 people on a boat. And that was for the so date. That was for the day. Okay. Gasoline prices are getting up there. Yeah, so yeah. that's, I'm, it's harder to answer that question yeah, right yeah, now because yeah. I don't know how much it costs these charter boat captains. Um, but they, they can make decent money. I think one of my captains that I chartered with around 120, 130 a year okay. is probably with a, a typical boat yeah. captain. Um, and a lot of it's just how good are you at marketing yourself yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, the, the boat could sit there on the dock forever if you can't market.
1: I feel like you would be just good. Like, hey, I got a boat. Like, you know, like, I feel like if you just go out there and be like, look, I got a boat. Let's talk right. technology on the boat and you can pay me yeah. while we talk technology on the boat.
0: Yep, exactly. No, that'd be great. Um, and and it's getting easier and easier with Elon Musk's satellite services oh, and things like that. Starlink is um, making
1: a big difference. Yep,
0: yeah, it definitely is. I mean, Starlink's not just making a difference like on the boating community, but I have friends that live in the middle of nowhere yeah. and had the worst internet connections ever. And now Starlink's made that a huge change for them that's awesome so, yeah and if you talk about like the ukraine and, and that kind of stuff like starlink has changed yeah a lot of people's lives i think no
1: it, no it's it's crazy how it's just technology is just making things more accessible just making it easier to learn just making it easier just right. to keep in touch with everybody now what advice would you have for someone who's about like 16 to 18 years old who wants to sort of get into like networking what would you tell them to do like to get started so that you know they learn and then they can get a job and set themselves up for success as early as possible without going to college.
0: I would say something that I did um, is read the manual. <laughs> so that, when I got in the Marine Corps, I had a great staff sergeant that he wouldn't answer any questions even though he knew everything. Yeah, but he would point. He'd point to the book and say, "This is what you need to learn." And then we would take hardware and and learn it. So I guess to answer your question, 16 to 18 years old, if I saw them, I'd say, "Find network gear for cheap." online, it can be used, whatever. And just in your room, put it together, make this talk to this and this talk to this and this talk to this. And if you do that, you're going to understand the basics of of how it all works. And then once you learn that there, there's no stopping you. Once you get
1: the basics down, it's not really hard work. It's just puzzle solving. Yeah. You know, one of my podcast guests a few episodes ago, he, during an interview talked about his server rack, And then that's what got him. It was like, oh, how'd you build it? What'd you do? And again, it's one of those things that you get forced to learn. Oh, this is not working. How do I fix this? Oh, I need to buy this component. I need to fix this. Or this is not working. And you just forced to learn. And I find one of the best ways, and that's what's great about technology, is you can learn through projects. Projects just force you to learn because it's like, hey, this thing's not working. You got to Google. You got to chat GPT, forums, friends, YouTube, and you'll find it, but you're increasing your knowledge base. Yes,
0: yep when I was growing into the network engineering stuff, I liked it when things were broken. That was my good day, right? Like (laughs) that seems weird and counterintuitive, but every time something was broken, I'd learn multiple things from it, from that problem. And one thing that I'm afraid of for the 16, 18 year olds or that a generation of people is what I'm finding anyway from as a business owner in technology is that now that we have tablets and cell phones, people think they know more about technology than they really do and they won't go learn more. So like network engineering, it's hard to find a good network engineer today. I think a lot of it's because everyone feels like they're already a technologist because they hold it in their hand all day long. And I really would, a 16, 18 year old, I'd say, don't have that attitude. Know that you don't know anything and then go learn it.
1: You know, what's interesting about kids younger, a lot of them have trouble understanding file structure. Because a lot of these tabs, you just go straight to the app. So they don't understand, oh, there's a folder. And I hate looking for files on my phone. It's like, where is it? Like, this is, I, I, I just wish it was like the computer I could click and I know how to go through it. And then I actually recently read an article that said Gen Z falls for phishing. Whatever. I forgot, some type of scams more often because you just think like, hey, I'm on Discord. I know how these things work. But these scams can get really elaborate. And these people are really sophisticated in how they approach these things. So look, I've even seen the smartest people. I think uh, Vitalik Buterin, right. He got SIM swapped and this is a very technology heavy guy. Right. And it's about security. So it can happen to anyone. And you just, again, security is something that you have to always think about.
0: It's not that hard to fall for it. Like if you're distracted and it's just possible to click on something, it it just is. In fact, we, we do a lot of phishing um, training. So we, you know, send a bunch of emails out to a whole organization and see how many people actually click it. And I would say even today, 2023, about 35 to 45% people click the links. And, and
1: let, let's say there are 100 people that work there, 35 to 45 of them
0: wow. click
1: it. I, I, just, I knew that, it would be above 10, but I didn't realize it would be 35 to 45. Are, do you see some organizations that have lower numbers?
0: Yes, they are not law firms. Okay.
1: So. <laughs> so, what, what type of organizations would you say are generally like? Hey, they're more just cybersecurity aware.
0: Um, I a lot of the medical facilities, and I think it's HIPAA compliance is is beaten on them so so often. Although on the dentist side, we we also service dentists. Dentists don't get it for some reason. I, I do have one client that does, so hopefully when he, when he hears this podcast, he's not going to get mad at me. But out of you know ten customers that are dentists, nine of them aren't good at it. Like they they'll, they'll click on fishing all day and i don't know why because they're smart people but just it's inherently that way and and lawyers too like i I just i don't understand how they
1: don't know to not click that i mean you know what i'll tell you because i've interacted with these people they spend so much of their time dedicated to learning one area that they don't have to be tech savvy and then sometimes it's a combination of that and then it's a combination of you know, just because I'm smart doesn't mean I can fix a router, right? It's just not my area of expertise. Just because you're good in one area doesn't mean that you can have a strategy for an MSP. It's a totally different area and it's different. So I I think that plays a part. But thank you so much for re- sharing your experience. This was this was cool, and we need to get you back when you get the boating and you gotta share an episode about how it is and the intricacies of that. Because I'd love to talk about that one day.
0: And I am starting another business. Um... A mushroom farmer okay I, i'm growing lion's mane and and some of the other gourmet mushrooms so i, I don't have that up and running yet but I, w- I would say within the next six months i should be selling to restaurants oh wow
1: that's cool you're always doing something so i yeah i'll buy oh. some of your mushrooms if you sell i love <laughs> mushrooms so that's awesome
0: okay yep sounds good well i
1: appreciate you having me yeah thanks for sharing your story with the no degree audience yes sir Okay, another great episode thank you for listening Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash No Degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J O N A E D, last name I Q B A L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, no degree.com.